live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. If last Thursday is the single best day on this morning calendar, then today might be the single worst. Hate to set the tone like that, but let's be real. Because last Thursday, that dopamine waterfall turned on and put us all on a four-day bender, a four-day euphoria bender. Today, on the other hand, is the big-ass crash. Big old crash. Today, we're back to reality. But man, what a ride that was. What an amazing ride that was. So rather than sitting here and dwelling on the crash, why don't we take a look back? Why don't we start with the legend that is E. Muss. Woo, pig, freaking, suey. Yo, Razorback fan, I would ask, how you living? But I already know how you're living. Let me ask you instead, are you not entertained? One thing to knock off a one seed and the defending national champion, but it's another to do it with that E. Muss swag. Because... When my dude Muss gets hyped, he takes his shirt off. That right there, of course, is the OG of ripping off his shirt. However, Muss, the legend, can rip his shirt off whenever the hell he wants. And you will hear that legend back on in about 35 minutes. Emus soaking up all the jungle karma. And I'm soaking up all that Emus energy. And this dude did such an amazing job. A brilliant, brilliant coaching job against Kansas. And any of you Arkansas fans who were giving Emus crap this season should have your speaking privileges or at least your social media privileges revoked. And don't tell me you weren't. Don't tell me you knew all along. I watched it. You were into this guy hard. And I don't mean I don't mean this about the team. I mean about anything. If you use that big mouth to doubt Emus out loud this year, then you should not get to use that big mouth for anything ever again. He was telling you. He was trying to tell you. He warned you that ultimately this team was going to take some time. It would take some time. They're getting better and better every single day. And he said they're continuing to evolve. And what do you know? The guy was right. He said they might make a run, and the guy was right. My dude's got the Razorbacks through to the second weekend of the third straight tournament. Love to see it. Love to see it. (laughs) love to see it love to see it telling you the guy is a freaking legend you're not going to find a better college coach he is a genius and a historically great grinder and he has adapted to the changes in the business and the game as well as anybody in recent years I'm going to say it once again Hogs fan I said it late last week I'll say it again right now you are so lucky to have this dude And a lot of you, by the way, owe him a big-ass apology for making all that noise that you were making this season. Spoiled much? Three straight Sweet 16s. You're back, and that was after back-to-back Elite Eight runs. And we're going to run him back later on this hour. Can't wait to get caught up with Muss. All right, speaking of jungle karma, Muss had it. He was not the only one. How about Tobin freaking Anderson? Ask him if he felt any of the jungle karma. 
Tobin Anderson of number 16 seed FDU for making the prediction of the entire tournament thus far. When he first, or when he just casually dropped after that first four win in Dayton, that quote, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Hey, hey. I don't want this, I don't want Purdue to see this, right? I walked in breakfast this morning, Cam, what would you say to me, Cam? Merle, Merle, where's Cam Merle? Wait, wait, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Let's go shock the world, let's go do this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was not something that he said to his team that did not want to get out. He said, listen at the very top of that, I want Purdue to see this. Hey, hey. I don't want this. I want Purdue to see this, right? I walked in breakfast this morning, Cam, what did you say to me? I want Purdue to see this. A 16 that won four games last year, going up against a one seed. Let's face it. FDU is not big. Purdue is really big and a one seed. I'll tell you what, that was one of the most incredible calls ever. This dude called his shot. And I hate to say this about Purdue. This is not the first time this has happened. Well, they generally don't lose to 16s, but they have come up short frequently. And the more I watch them, the more I wonder if they're going to beat anybody who matters. The Boilermakers just became the second number one seed to ever lose to a 16, but they became the first program to ever lose to a 13 seed or worse in three straight tourneys. That's not easy to do, but they have. It has been a disaster upon disaster upon disaster for Matt Painter. But this one's got to be the worst of all. This one might have been the biggest disaster in the history of the tournament. I mean, for real. Purdue's had some bad, bad nights, but they've never had one like this. They lost to a 16 seed that won only four games a year ago. They didn't even win their own conference this year. FDU got in because the actual NEC regular season and tournament champ Merrimack were not eligible yet. That's how they got in. So, Purdue not only lost to a 16, they lost to the non-champs of the NEC. They lost to the shortest team in the field while having a 7-foot-4 monster of their own, a unanimous All-American. They lost to a school that doesn't even have a band. That's right, FDU essentially had to rip Dayton's band to take them on the road for the first four. This is all true. So what I'm basically saying is Tobin Anderson had to build that entire thing from scratch in one season. Or, to quote the man himself on this very program, he had to build it from below scratch. First, Charlie Casserly brought us below not good. Below not good. Then, Tobin Anderson brought us below scratch. It was almost below scratch. Like you're almost starting, like you're almost in a hole to start with, you know, for the votes. Because, like you said, the morale, the morale is so bad. You're coming off a four win season. Um, they're just you know, the, the alumni, the fans, the people. They're just, you know, I, I got so many uh, people talking to me saying, hey, you can't win there. It's impossible. It's, it's not going to happen. It's a, it's a hard job, all that kind of stuff. And so we had to, we had to build that back up from, from, from basically from nothing. So he made that statement on this program late last week. I would say that a win in the first four and then one of the most incredible upsets in the history of the tournament filled with incredible upsets 
counts as getting it done. Unfortunately, FDU, tough as hell, by the way. Unfortunately, they ran into a buzzsaw in the second round, and that buzzsaw was Dusty May and his FAU Owls. He also is tough as hell. Like, they may not be a household blue blood brand name either, but they did win 31 games this season. 31. They did roll into the tourney with a top 25 ranking. Sleep on these dudes, and you're either lazy or you're ignorant or you're both because that's a damn good team. And they're tough as hell. And as guard, their star guard, Janelle Davis put it, they've been trying to prove that they were legit since the very jump. Are you a player that plays in a moment like this with something to prove about yourself? Yeah, a lot. I've been, I've been trying to prove this shit they want. Oh. That's all right. It's all right. Oh. It happens to all of us. We're on True TV, man. I just, I've been trying to prove this since they want. There was a lot of that over the weekend, wasn't it? Timmy getting loose with an F-bomb. A few other four-letter bombs. Like I always say, know your room. But then again, the emotions, this is why the NCAA tournament to me is the greatest event in all sports. The emotions are so high. It's so incredible. And so many things happen. You can understand why somebody might let loose with an F-bomb or a four-letter bomb or cry after a game. In terms of that dude, he earned the right to cuss on live TV because he did something that had never been done. Not since they started keeping these stats. 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 steals. Nobody had ever done that since they started to track steals. And you can hear his coach, Dusty May, back in here in the jungle in the final segment today. And at least Janelle Davis did not F-bomb, as the aforementioned Drew Timmy did. He was a little relieved and in a pretty good spot and feeling good when Gonzaga survived an extremely game TCU last night. Before they announced our starting lineup at home, I was like, in seven straight Sweet 16s, I'm like, we could not be the team that f- just one up. So just to get it done and not fall under that hypnotoads genjutsu or whatever it is feels good, man. But they're a hell of a team. This dude. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Before they announced our starting lineup at home, I was like, in seven straight Sweet 16s, I'm like, we could not be the team that just one up. So just to get it done and not fall under that hypnotoads genjutsu or whatever it is feels good, man. But they're a hell of a team. This dude, like, I don't even know if he knew he said it. It just came right out. Seven times in a row. We're not going to be the ones to bleep this up. We could not be the team that just one up. Yo, that's on national TV. That was incredible. It was so a matter of fact. Feels like that dude's been at Gonzaga for about a decade, right? You would think that after all this time, he might know better than anybody else what you can and cannot say in TV interviews. Then again, he did just tie the all-time mark for 20-point games at the NCAA tournament with nine. And he knows it's his last look. And he wants to make damn sure that they're not the ones that F this thing up. We could not be the team that f***s this one up. So I guess that guy can say whatever the hell he wants in the postgame as well. Same. 
for my dude, Tom Izzo, a.k.a. Mr. March, a.k.a. Mr. Mr. Wearit, right on his freaking sleeve. The dude did what the dude does. He knocked off Shaka Smart and the second seed, Marquette, giving Izzo the most wins ever at the tournament by a head coach with a worse seed. That's a pretty damn good stat to have. And he's got them in the Sweet 16, if I'm not mistaken, for the 15th time. So, essentially, if you've got Izzo, you're good. If you've got Muss, you're good. If you're from New Jersey, apparently you're good. Last year it was St. Peter's. This year we had FDU. And somehow, someway, we still have Princeton. The geniuses are somehow still alive. They're still dancing. They're not dead. Not dead can't quit. Not dead can't quit. In fact, the geniuses rolled right through Mizzou. Not only is Princeton through to the Sweet 16, but there was actual garbage time in their second-round win. Princeton got to the empty end or got to empty the end of their bench in a second-round win at the NCAA tournament. I mean, find me something more insane than that. Princeton emptying its bench in a blowout win in the NCAA tournament to get to the Sweet 16. But then again, we said it. Did I or did I not say, and I'm far from the only one, but over the last few weeks, whenever I talked to an NCAA coach, did I or did I not say, yo, coach, have you ever seen a field more wide open? And every single one of the coaches said no, never, never. So that's why the dance is incredible. That's why the dance is the best thing. That's why the dance is undefeated because it is delivering yet again. So quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? We are joined right now by the head coach of Arkansas. Four seasons in, he's made it to -to back-to-back Elite Eights. He is now in the Sweet 16 yet again. They're 21-13. and They are the eighth seed in the West. They took care of Illinois yesterday, or I should say initially. Then they got their shot against Kansas, who's the top seed, and then they beat them too. I, of course, am speaking of... Eric Musselman. Muss, I will start this off the same way I did before. My man, WPS Muss. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm doing great, JR. Thanks so much for having me on again. 
It must you sound like me, so I know you had yourself a weekend. Take me through it. Like, you and I have talked about this, that this team is very different in the sense that it's getting better, it's evolving, and then it shows up like that. What was your biggest takeaway from that win? What are you most proud of? Well, uh, Illinois presented problems just because they're such a great shot-blocking team and they're so long, and I thought our guys did a really good job of attacking the rim. And then, you know, I think one of the biggest things that maybe the, the general public doesn't understand, Jim, is just when you win a big game like that, it's an 8-9 seed game, you then got to get ready for Kansas on a, on, a, on a short turnaround. And so you worry, like, where is your team emotionally? Do they have enough emotional juice to get ready playing a Thursday game and then getting ready for a Saturday game? And I thought we were, you know, we started off a little bit sluggish, but the, but the huddle uh, early in the game, it never felt like there was any panic. It, our guys, you know, felt like we weren't making shots. We settled way too much for the three ball against Kansas early. And then in the second half, we just talked at halftime about how we had to be aggressive going to the basket. Uh, really proud of how our guys responded because Kansas, in my opinion, is one of the top two to three teams in the entire nation. And they had experience, some guys that played on that national championship team. So just really proud of, the, uh, of our team, a young team, winning uh, down the stretch. That has not been a theme for us this year um, where we've won uh, from coming from behind. We've had some leads and let those slip away. And that's why I do think our team has been evolving as this thing has progressed. Eric Musselman joining us. To that point, Mus, you and I talked about this late last week, but the fact that your team is still evolving, the fact that your team is still coming together, still getting better, how unusual is it to see a team get better and evolve this late in the season? Well, I just don't think it happens much. Uh, maybe it's going to start happening more with, with so many teams getting transfer uh, portal guys and 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 maybe guys are only with the program for eight or nine months and and for us with six freshmen we did know going into the season that if if six of your 13 scholarships are freshmen you should get better as the season gets along and and certainly we're not the same team today that we were our first sec league game uh, but but it is unusual for sure for whatever reason jim the last you know, three years, I've kind of felt like we have gotten better. Even the COVID year, um, we won our first SEC game uh, in the tournament, and then and then the tournament was shut down, and that team kind of believed uh, that they could continue to to, to advance throughout the, the, the conference tournament. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into it. We don't go live very much in practice. And I do think that that, that that saves guys' bodies a little bit as well uh, over the course of a, of, a, of a long, grinding college season. And even, you know, because there's, there's a limited amount of time in the summer, but unlike the NBA, you have a lot of time without games. And so how you manage that becomes important as well. Eric Musselman joining us. The thing is, Mus, and you touched on this, the tournament is a totally different deal altogether, and you want to make sure that you pace yourself. You want to make sure you maintain that energy. You want to make sure you have your legs underneath you. When you went to your guys, especially the veteran guys, and said, you know what, fellas, we don't need an actual shoot-around. We can do a walkthrough. We can watch some film. What was their reaction to you? Yeah, it was, it was, it was at our breakfast. It was actually the night before – uh, we we ate 
I talked about our shoot around time in the arena. And then we had another film session later at night. Um, and I asked the guys, I said, Hey, you know, my, my feeling as a head coach is we do this walkthrough in our ballroom. I'll take you through their top three BOBs, top SOB, their late game situations. And then their five half court sets. We'll go through our offensive 10 scripted plays to start the game. And I think we'll be ready to go. You guys, we won't have to, drive to the arena, drive back, walk through security, and we could just do it all in one setting. We'll probably save ourselves 30 minutes off our legs. Devo Davis stood up and said, no, Coach, we're, we're going, we're going to, to shoot. We're getting on the floor. And then Ricky Council spoke up and a couple other guys. And so we really had no choice. The players wanted to go uh, get out on the floor and actually have a game day practice, which was surprising uh, with a late afternoon start. But when we got on the bus, I looked at one of the assistant coaches and said, we're not losing this game because uh, most teams would have wanted to stay in the hotel. Um, and even it was interesting because even that Thursday, a lot of teams passed on their on their arena practice times uh, on game one because we got we moved up three slots just because some had passed. So um, it's interesting because. You want your guys to be focused. You you want to rest them a little bit, uh, but you also want them to have an edge and be hungry as well. And then the, the last part of it, Jim, I think is how do you get your guys to uh, relax and have some fun and, and kind of embrace the environment as well? See, Musk, what you just said is something that John Calipari said that maybe he didn't do a good enough job with because the expectations are so immense. They are there. They are where you are. You want your guys to be locked. You want them to be dialed in, but you want them to have fun because most of all, you want them to have fun, but you don't want them playing tight. But it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, there's no question. I, you know, I, I think that you've got to kind of figure, you know, last year we went to Niagara Falls and, and not, not many teams in that site, you know, went and did that. Uh, when we got to San Francisco uh, for the Sweet 16, we went and walked around the San Francisco Giants uh, stadium and, and, and got out on the field, took pictures. And so I do think that you've got to figure out you know, a way to get their minds a little bit off uh, what's going on. Because if you just sit in your room all day and you're watching games and you're listening to uh, to the broadcast and, 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 and the studio between, yeah, I think you can, you know, it can become bigger than maybe what it is. What it is, it's a 40-minute game. And how can you win over those 40 minutes? It's, it's, uh, it's the same game that, that they've been playing all year just on a – really, really big stage, but it's still just two hoops uh, and the length of the floor, and then who's going to out-compete the other team? Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman joining us. Mus, uh, I understand you've got a lot of work ahead of you. I understand that you've got an all-time opportunity in front of you, but I also understand this. You've coached a very, very long time. You have been in some awfully big games. Have you ever been a part of a bigger win than this one yourself? <laughs> I don't think so, Jr. I mean, we, you know, beating Gonzaga last year when they were a one seed was, uh, you know, to, to to be able to make an elite eight was was a was a really cool thing, and and then certainly you know Kansas, uh, they're so well coached, they have veteran players, they were the defending champions, um, you know, and then and then 
you got to, you know, you got to look at your wife and your daughter and you're kind of looking out of your eye and seeing before the game, like, Hey, are they, are they packing? Uh, or are they like, know that, that, <laughs> that we might spend the night here cause we won a game, you know, like all those things you're just kind of anticipating. You, you go into the meeting room with the coaches, you know, what are they thinking? Are, are they thinking you're going to advance or whatever? But, there's no doubt that that was, and especially the way the game unfolded, Jim, because we only led for like a minute 45 against Kansas. They had control of the game uh, until about the nine-minute mark. I, Jordan Walsh hit a three-ball with about 8.40 uh, left in the game, and that was really our first lead. Um, and then it kind of went back and forth. So I think anytime you're in an emotional game, a one-point game against the defending champions probably doesn't probably hard to top that. Uh, but we're going to go try. We have a, we have a game against UConn that we're excited about, and I'm sure uh, they're excited to play the game as well. Eric Musselman joining us. Eric, you mentioned family Danielle, man. She she was fierce. She was feeling it. You could tell how intense she was about it. So I don't know if she packed before or not after the game, but she was very much into it during the game. You said it yourself. Nothing's easy. Going into the tournament is not easy. Winning a game in the tournament is not easy. Knocking off the defending champs sure as hell isn't easy, and neither is the next challenge. You've got UConn Thursday in Vegas. How do you think you match up with them, and what are your early thoughts on that game? Well, obviously, Coach Hurley, he's a phenomenal coach. His teams always have great toughness. Uh, They have a really, really good basketball team. I think they're playing as well as anybody in the country. Uh, Two centers they have that, that are, you know, got great length, uh, both centers, even, even, even the younger player that comes off the bench, uh, both those guys are as good as any tandem at the center spot. Then they got great shooting. Their four-man uh, can really sh- uh, stretch the floor. Uh, Hawkins, number 24, is as good a shooter as there is in the country. Um, Newton is, a, is their point guard who's a double-digit scorer. And then Jackson, maybe the most versatile one of the best athletes. He's kind of like a point forward uh, who, who is a great passer at the small forward spot. So a really, really good team. And then they come off the bench, Jim, uh, with a backup small forward who can really shoot it. And then a former University of San Diego transfer backup off guard who can really shoot the basketball. So uh, we cannot give up threes, but you've also got to guard the paint because both centers uh, can really score with their back to the basket. Must your legend, another clinic. I got about 30 seconds. When you go up on the scorer's table and you go shirtless, is the wife thinking, yeah, that's my man, or is she trying to talk you out of doing that? <laughs> A little of both. I think I, <laughs> I think I get both. Um, but you know what? Like, when you – uh, I mean, I coached in the minor leagues and, and coached in Venezuela and Dominican Republic. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm so I'm as excited as any fan would be when we win. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. That's me and the Lions. 
Nobody asked my opinion, but you're getting one anyway. So I had a two-part plan. This is how you go from being a competitive team and a great story in 2022 to becoming a true Lombardi contender in 23. Just two things. Number one, use your resources efficiently, but use them a la cap money and incredible draft capital and use it to improve the easiest defense to move the ball on in the NFL last season. And it was. As well as they played, as tough as they were, they were not hard to move the ball against. Fix that. That's point number one. Point number two, re-sign my guy. Re-up my favorite player. And yeah, I just said that. I think that he is now my favorite player. One of my favorite human beings. My guy. My favorite player. Jamal Williams. Or better known better known to the nerd community as the leader of the hidden village of the den. First swag, Kazakage. Leader of the hidden village of the den. Josh Reynolds, John Jay High School. Hey, you beat that. Like, like, Maybe two and a half of the finest seconds of video audio ever. Even when the first time I heard it, I had no idea what it meant. I'm looking at this guy like, dang, that is incredible. Alvi, can I have that one more time? First swag, Kazakage, leader of the hidden village of the Dean, Josh Reynolds, John Jay High School. I've even talked to Jamal about that, and I still barely understand what any of that means. But. I know I love the guy, and not just for that. Got nose for the end zone now. My man was finishing a lot of runs. So, Detroit, I got to be real. I was hot. He loved being there. He played his guts out for you. I was hot because you did not take care of this guy. I mean, the organization has done a hell of a job in starting their defensive makeover. Even getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson, great pickup. However, you also signed David Montgomery, a good running back in his own right, but it meant that Swag Kazakaje would be shown the door. But you know that, Detroit. All is good, and yes, I did say that, all is good, no hard feelings, because everything has worked out for the better for my guy. And as hard as it was for me to see that guy walk out the door and you let him, if not pushed him, I'm still great with the Lions. I still like what they're doing overall. I didn't like that at all, at all. But I still like what they're doing overall. In fact, he's not happy at all with the Lions Jamal thinks they disrespected him. He thinks they lowballed him. He thinks that they didn't want him back. And by the way, the way it played out, that's kind of how it feels, right? However, you had to know that the legend, being the legend that he is, was going to land on his feet quickly. And he did in New Orleans. In fact, check out his intro presser. He may have actually traded up believe it or not. He may have found himself a better opportunity, believe it or not. And had he signed back in the D, chances are we don't get this, right? If he re-ups, we don't get this kind of presser. As for you, Saints fan, you now not only have a baller, 
but you have one of the greatest dudes ever on your roster, and he is hyped as hell to be there. The entire presser was gold, all of it. Y'all, the entire Jamal Williams experience, as he opened it in educating the media on Pokemon, and he did it while wearing a hat from his favorite character from that world, Eevee. And wasted zero time in taking a reporter to task over not getting it. So it's basically a cat. This is how they start off, though. But Eevee can, like, evolve into, like, eight different types of Pokemon, basically. So, but Eevee, though. E-E-V-E-E. All right, Luke. What a great line. But Eevee, yo. Eevee, though. And that was the first interaction this guy had with the new crew of scribes that are going to cover him. He's making damn sure they know his priorities. And you have to see this cat's absolute unbridled joy to fully appreciate this guy. Just beaming from ear to ear with the biggest smile ever. There are people that you know who are comfortable in their own skin. And then there are those who have separated even from those And you've got like a self-proclaimed nerd, Jamal Williams. Like he's different than the rest. He's different than anybody I've ever met. I love and admire this dude so much for it too. The reason this dude is that dude is because he's that dude. Whenever and wherever he is. Can I repeat that? The reason this guy is that dude is because he is that dude whenever and wherever he is. What I'm saying is no one travels better than my dude. He's going to show up every single time. He's going to give you whatever he has every damn time, no matter where he is. There are so many highlights that I can play from the entire 18-minute Welcome to My World Jamal Williams presser. But there's too much. There's too much. There's too much to play, so our very good friends at CBS pretty much made an Alvin DeLauro week that was out of this one presser. Look at some of the highlights or listen to some of the highlights from this presser. You would think I'm all, (laughs) but this smile can be like for evil too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm turned. I'm I'm high off life right now. It don't matter. I am here. But I'm just excited. Like, I am trembling from excitement right now. I'm just shaking. You remind me of, like, V for vengeance. Is that it? Did I say it right? Yeah, that mask. Yeah, yeah, V for vendetta. I'm so sorry. Yeah. When they called you to sign you, was mm. that part of their sales pitch, or how did they convince you to no. sign with you? First thing my girlfriend said was, ooh, you got to try some baguettes, bugetti, oh, beignettes, beignettes, beignettes. <laughs> you got to try the beignet, beignet, the beignet. What is your name, sir? How many, how many times am I going to see you? All the time? All right, cool. Well... My, yeah, my time here, you are going to become an anime expert, all right? I don't do well with dead things that are still intact with the head on it. Like, it's looking at me, I, can, I just can't do it. We got time for one more. He's lying. <laughs> Come in here with, you know, with some socks on. I got socks on. Oh, do you? Yeah, they're just, they're just a little bit. Mm. A little line. We're good. <laughs> Ankle socks tell a lot about you, man. Ankle. He, he's calling a guy for not having socks. 
And this guy says, well, I do actually. They're ankle socks. And Jamal says, ankle socks say a lot about you, man. Ankle socks say a lot about you, man. The, the sounds that he makes, the things that he says, the energy that he's throwing off. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. That is my favorite NFL right now. I could tick off 30 off the top of my head that are like in that, that same tier or a tier beneath 30 guys that I love in the NFL. Nobody more so than that guy. That presser? I mean, you want to talk about masterpiece theater. Find me a different, better, funnier presser than that. I mean, dude's laughing. He's dancing. He's talking anime. He's doing impressions of dead things that he might eat. He's educating fools on Pokemon. He's busting a reporter's ass for wearing ankle socks and having a V for Vendetta mustache look. I mean, you know, in short, giving the Big Easy the big swag, the Kazakage experience. I mean, I literally can't stop laughing at this dude in a good way. My man, all love, all respect. I so admire this guy. Because let's not forget, you can have that, that personality, and it's fun, and it's cool. This dude can play. This dude runs hard. This dude finds the back of the end zone. So... Where is it really? Oh, when he gets to eat those beignettes or the Ben Gay or <laughs> that ben was so yeah. funny. What is your name? Ben Yeah. Me and the lady are gonna have a lot of Ben Yeahs. Ben Yeah. Gonna rub a little Ben Gay on it after. And have some Ben Yeah. So when I first saw this guy leave Detroit, I was not happy at all because I love Detroit and I love him. However, now that I've seen his act already in New Orleans, I'll tell you what, man, this guy's fitting in perfectly. And guess who's still there? Guess who is still there? And the two of these guys are going to be on the same team. How awesome would it be if these two dudes were on the same field at the same time in a game that mattered? You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about this guy. Because as much as Jamal loves Ben Yeah and football, I don't know that anybody loves football more than this cat loves football. As a kid, my, my passion was always football, right? But being taken away from the game, I didn't realize that my passion was playing football. Ben, yeah. Ben, yeah. I'm being serious now. How could we possibly be even luckier or this lucky at all? Not even New Orleans, but every fan of football. Not even every fan of football, but every fan of life. These two dudes in the same locker room. And yes, I know Jameis is not going to start next season, but... The Saints officially have the greatest quarterback-running back combo in the history of life. Imagine these cats pre-gaming this season. You're going to stay on the porch. Follow me here. You're going to stay on the porch and quote. This is not my line. I don't want to get in trouble. This is a quote. A quote from one of them. You're going to stay on the porch and piss like a puppy? Or... Are you going to eat a W like the big dogs? Everybody's great when they're not tired. The champions is when they're tired. That's when the real champions come out. That's when a real dog come out. Because if you go 
ass like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs eat. Let them on the field. Have some heart. I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Last year wasn't it. I mean, dude, seriously, find me a guy you'd rather run through a wall with or for than that guy. Then that's not the coach. What an unbelievable pregame speech where he's got guys gathered around and has that kind of energy and essentially is challenging them and asking, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Are you going to be that guy who's over there pissing like a puppy? Or are you going to be a stud, a monster, a baller, a difference maker? Are you going to be that dude? One more time, Alvy. One more time. Everybody's great when they're not tired. The champions is when they're tired. Stop right That's there. Stop the right there. I'm sorry. Everybody's great when they're not tired. Ding. 100% accurate. Real champions separate themselves by playing their best when they're dog-tired. Those are who the dogs are. Not the puppies pissing on their leg, but the dogs. We're dogs, Alvy. Roll it. Because if you go like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs eat. Get a piss like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs eat. How do you let this guy out of your building? Incredible. It should be streamed, him and Jameis, 24-7. Like, you have that from Jamal, which is absolutely insane. And then, of course, we have Jameis Winston, Ph.D., a professor on human anatomy and life itself. Our body is so symmetrical, right? You got, you got your wrists, you know, and then what are your wrists on the bottom half? Your ankles, you know, you got your shoulders up top. What are your shoulders? Your hips, you know what I'm saying? You got your elbows. What are your elbows? Your knees, right? Like, so uh, it's symmetrical and you just got to work different parts. I mean, I, I thought he was my favorite dude until I met Jamal. Until I sat with Jamal. I mean, I've been watching Jamal from afar and I know what kind of player he is. And then we came together on the row. And I've spent time with him. I can't get enough of this guy. Like, Jameis was my favorite guy. So now Jameis has been downgraded. He's first on the downgrade list. Now he's one of my favorite guys. Jamal is my favorite guy. Find me one more person that would act like that or say that. And no Raider fan or clone. Derek does not have the sound collection that these guys have. Wise asses. There's only one. be the result of all that effort. Pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what <clears throat> some guys are doing. The beignet. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like, just so we can Ankle be there for each other. Ankle socks a lot about you, man. And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off. Because if you go like honest. a puppy, stay on the porch. DC, my man, I know that was sincere. I know you're emotional. That ain't going to fly in that locker room. Jamal ain't having it. You won't even feel that way again because you'll have Jamal in that locker room. Man, just wait. Just wait. Don't. He is so amazing. 
Yeah, I, I know, I know. I dare you clones to take a run at the leader of the hidden village of the Dan's new starting quarterback or his new BFF, Jameis. Because do not let Derek or his tears fool you. It's all dog now in New Orleans. All dog. Tell me how awesome this moment was for Jamal. Stop playing us, man. We made we the Detroit Lions. We the Detroit Lions. Stop playing with us. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked their picked the Packers over us. Stop playing with us. That's all I gotta say, man. Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. Again, I challenge you. Find somebody better. Find a better soundbite. I mean, he's like just choked up, choked up. Waterworks, waterworks, and then bam, like just on a pivot. Like he, he flipped a switch. Don't let these tears fool you. We're dogs. We're dogs. I'll tell you what, I can't believe we're so lucky. Even before the season has started, team content in 2023 is far and away the New Orleans Saints. Like by a secretariat-type length. Why have we not given them their team trophy championship or a championship team trophy? Championship team content trophy. There, that. So there you go. Sorry, Detroit. I, I'm still a little conflicted because you lost an all-timer, but you did gain a baller on defense. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is coming to Detroit. Now, why'd he leave Philly? The money. Nothing new about that. Eagles made an offer to him early on. CJ waited for something better. Didn't get much in free agency and winds up going to the Lions. Wild stab here, Philly fan. And this is just a bit of speculation on my part. I don't know. I have no idea. Wild stab here. I don't know if it came down exclusively to money or if a small percentage of that decision relates to the fact that an Eagle fan jacked his car after a win. Exactly who took my car. There you go. I heard that. Yep. Yeah, if you want me to, I can send these clips. Yeah, it's good. I know exactly who stole my bro. Yeah, don't worry, buddy. We got y'all on camera. Wow. Wow. Wait, where was that angle? That's how y'all getting down? In Philly? Y'all still after a win? <laughs> Another amazing quote. Well, he's like, wow. Imagine coming out to the players a lot and the car is gone. Wow. Wow. Quote, wow. Is that how you all get down in Philly? That's how y'all getting down in Philly? Y'all still after a win? After a win. Wow. 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 That's how you all get down? Wow. And you wonder why this guy's in Detroit now. Thing is, I don't think that CJ wanted the gloss car-jacked Gardner Johnson to stick. Wow. Enjoy feasting, my man, in Detroit. Carjacked. Wow. Philly fan. That, that, add that's a list. That's one of the most Philly fan things ever. Ripping off a luxury sled of one of the players after a win. Wow. Wow. Bricked. When asked what he thought about that, CJ just said, wow. wow. 
Wow. When I was asked for my reaction, I just said, wow. wow. That's how you all get down there? Wow. After a win? Wow. Hey, Alvi, here's my reaction. You tell me that it's time to break. <laughs> wow. Hey, Alvi, is, is that how you get down there, Alvi, on that side of the glass? Ben, yeah. The Ben, yeah. What is your... The Ben, yeah. The Ben, yeah. The break, yeah. If you go like a puppy, stay on the porch. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Go in market, on topic, and go to Arkansas. Rob in Arkansas, what's up? How are you? Hey, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we are must-bussing down here. I just, I can't tell you how much love there is for this man. There has been. He shows up at baseball games, football games. Everyone here knows he's the hardest-working person in Arkansas. And I, we're just concerned that we're not going to pay him enough to keep him. Cedar Falls, Iowa. I like it. Brandon. Good to have you, Brandon. How are you? Hey, Jim. I'm doing good. How are you? Great, man. Super. Hey, I just wanted to talk about uh, that game last night with FAU. It was a great game, and then they just ruined it at the end with that unsportsmanlike dunk. You know, FDU was giving them the time to just run it out, and they had to try that dunk, and then he missed it. <laughs> if I was the coach, I'd make him apologize publicly. You know, I, I see you working. Let me respond to this really quickly. We're talking about a game last night between FAU and FDU. Hard-fought game. Tough-nosed game. Great game. At the end of the game, FDU called off their dogs because they knew the game was over. Like, don't foul. Don't do anything. Walk off the court. Heads held high. You made an amazing run this year. You won four games last year. You came this close to getting to the Sweet 16. We'll never forget it. But but stop guarding. Don't foul. Let's go to the locker room and go out with our heads held high. On the other side of that, you got a dude from FAU, Elijah Martin, who had a big game, by the way. He had a really important game. Elijah is like, all right, nothing between me and the glass. I'm going to go up like it's the dunk contest and try to throw down some wild windmill 360 jam. I'm showing it right now on CBS Sports Network. It was unbelievable. Like, I hate to say it, he wasn't even close. So it was the wrong idea at the wrong time, and I know why FDU was pissed. They were pissed because, one, you don't want to be shown up, and, two, they'd stop playing. You know, like they're under 10 seconds left in the game. The game was already over. Effectively, they stopped playing. So for the guy to go down the floor and try and put an exclamation point on it, yes, they were pissed. I think that the coaches had a conversation about it and that Dusty May apologized to Tobin. I haven't really heard anything from the player. I don't know. I, he probably shouldn't have done it. Check that. He should not have done it. But to me, it, 
it doesn't taint the victory. Some of you are acting like the guy should be suspended or something. And whatever you do, don't call me a hypocrite and tell me that, yeah, Rome, what about your boy? What about your boy, Georgie Pappas? Yeah, what about him? Don't you forget about his mother either. She's cooler than he is. And he was pretty cool. And I will tell you the difference between those two things. What about these unspoken rules? Like, who made up these unspoken rules? I want to meet the guy who can't speak to put these rules into existence. But anyway, the difference with Georgie Pappas is it was a November game between Monmouth and Kansas. Monmouth was down 55. 110-55, all right? He was not piling on and running it up. This is the dumbest argument I think I've ever heard. In fact, I think about everything I say before I say it because I know there are consequences. Anytime I speak into this mic or I look into a camera, there are consequences. That's the challenge of the job. Make it as aggressive and as entertaining and thought-provoking as possible without compromising yourself or your integrity and getting fired. Not easy. So I've thought about what I'm about to say. Here it is. Old Jera actually looks, at least for the moment, like he knows what he is doing. Don't make me repeat that. I already said it once and I can't believe it. Look at what the guy's done. Old Jera just reeled in a six-time 1,000-yard receiver for a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 sixth rounder. And he got Houston to pay a third of the salary too. Like, that's a legitimately great deal. A lot better than throwing 20 mil at OBJ coming off of miss, missing the entire year in a surgery. Now, OBJ, I thought, said something really interesting over the weekend. He's like, I don't know where these reports are that I need $20 million. I don't know where that's coming from. I'm just saying I'm not playing for four. Well, great line. You know, essentially, he's priced himself out of any market. He's not a 30-year-old guy as great as he's looked in those workout vids. A 30-year-old guy coming off that surgery and missing a year is not getting 20 million bucks a year. He's not. But OBJ is saying, well, who said that I asked for that? Either way, the Cowboys are no longer in it for him, and they get Brandon Cooks. And that Cooks trade looks about as smart as that Amari Cooper trade last offseason looks stupid. You know, the one where the Cowboys traded away a better player than Cooks, arguably, for a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick. We'll see. I think Cooks has a lot left in the tank. I know dude still can run. He's quick. He's a pro. He's a vet. He's going to help. But that deal for Cooper last year, that was a disaster. That was organizational malpractice. That's the Cowboys we know. That's the Cowboys we're used to. However, at least this Cowboys trade for Cooks nearly undoes that disaster from last March. Almost. But it does make a couple of decent moves in a row for Jera. Like, he's having a good offseason. Like, he traded a fifth rounder 
for former Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore. Another really solid win right now. Pretty exciting move for the Cowboys. Now, has he lost a step? Has he lost a little something? Sure. Sure. But if you go look inside the helmet and you check what's going on between this dude's ears and what he knows, he's still really effective. And I think that's a great deal. So they just spend very little, and they upgrade rather massively at WR2 and CB2. And they also upgraded at RB2 last week because, as we know, they finally cut bait with Zeke Elliott. And I can imagine where there are pretty high emotions about that. Think about Elliott. Elliott did some really dumb things off the field. But early in his career... And midway through his career there, he did some amazing things on the field. But and, and put up serviceable, passable numbers last year. But he's nowhere near what he used to be and hasn't been for a while. And whoever becomes the new RB2 is going to be an upgrade. Pretty much anything would be based on the way Zeke Elliott showed up last year. It was clear all year that he was no longer that bell cow or their number one running option. And then it was clear when the Cowboys slapped the franchise tag on Tony Pollard. And then it became crystal clear when they released Zeke last week. A release which just locked in the single greatest final play for any Cowboy ever. You remember when Zeke got absolutely trucked on that final Cowboys play in their loss to the Niners. Who will ever forget not only seeing this play, but where they were when it happened. Cowboys come to the line. Elliott is going to snap the ball. Two offensive linemen split right. Lamb inside of them. And another receiver out to the right. That's Noah Brown. Prescott back to pass. Left caught by Turpin. Hit and dropped. After all that, they throw it to Turpin. Tackled at the 30, and the game is over. I mean this truly, sincerely, unequivocally. I'm not piling on when I say this. I take no satisfaction in saying this. No joy, no glee, no nothing. Do you believe that guy, one of the ultimate Cowboys, ended his Cowboy career on that play by snapping the ball and getting his ass trucked? I don't remember Tony Dorsett going out like that. I don't remember the playmaker going out like that. I don't remember Emmett going out like that. I don't remember Troy going out like that. I don't even remember Dwayne Thomas going out like that. Sorry to age myself. That's that guy's last play as a cowboy? I mean, I don't get too emotional about these things. That's actually pretty sad. Pretty sad. So who drew that one up? Somebody's got to run to the pier and throw Zeke's dog tags. Drop down, throw sidearm. Maybe Rogan Loam can get it. That's right. You wouldn't believe the wicked movement Rogan Loam has at Rogan times. Loam. If he drops down with Zeke's dog tags and throws them off a pier, I'm telling you, it'll be filthy. Those dog tags will be moving. Late break, dude. A lot of tail. A lot of tail. Big Logs. He's not overpowering anybody, but he is clever. 
and not really afraid. And by the way, did I tell you, Logues picked up the win against Beckman this weekend. Barnyard, our starting pitcher, went five and two-thirds. Logues came in, got the last out in the sixth, got them out in the seventh. Called him up. I was watching it on. There's this app, Game Changer. Dr. Jano and I were in Los Angeles, so we couldn't be at the game. So we were both just sweating it out in our hotel room. And what's more nerve-wracking than watching your kid or following your kid playing a high school sport on some app that is totally lagging? It lags, right? And there's no video. It's just a, It's like a game cast. And we're just like, yo, yo. And I'm watching him. I'm watching him. I walked that guy, let that guy get away with two on with two strikes on him. Cardinal sin, fielder's choice, fielder's choice. I finally found him later that night. I'm like, yo, rogues. What up, kid? I'm proud of you. How you doing? He's like, you know, you know how I do, Dad. Did some rogue and loan things, but got out. I'm like, you got the dub, dude. Anyway. Scrumptious. He, he was scrumptious. They got a split. Proud of the boys at uni. They got their split with Beckman. If any of you have dog tags that you want to throw off a pier, for a very nominal fee, Rogan Loam. Rogan Loam will run to the pier, drop down, throw the dog tags into the ocean, however, with movement that Mav never had. That's right. By the way, I'll even be the catcher. I'll put down the signs. I'll film it. All right, anyway, back to the cowboy take. Slider. You stink. Slider. You stink. So, who made that call, actually? So, Kellen Moore, who's now out here with the Chargers, or was that a Mike, big Mike special? Who is, I want to know who is responsible for Ezekiel Elliott ending his cowboy career on his ass. Trucked. I mean, that's a proud dude. That's a dude who was the best back in the league for a while. That is an all-time cowboy, even if the last few years he has not been anywhere near what he used to be and a shell of himself. He did not deserve to go out like that. Somebody has to own that. I want to know who called that play. Was it Kellen Moore or was it Big Mike? Because there's going to be a whole hell of a lot of Big Mike. A lot of Big Mike specials this year. Big Mike calling the plays. And when I say a Big Mike special... I don't mean two Denver omelets over a stack of pancakes with a double side of bacon and an extra plate of hash browns. I just mean Big Mike calling the plays. And in a way, doesn't that sort of undercut or diminish any of this offseason cowboy hype that I'm trying to give you? Like, I want to love these moves, but then I remember that move, the big move, the move of Mike McCarthy from, quote, Already too much responsibility to, quote, way, 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 way too much responsibility. You remember that, and then it makes it kind of hard to get too hyped on Dallas. However, good for Jera for making a few good moves, grabbing a headline for something other than bumping his geriatric gums. He's on a tight schedule. Everybody knows that. These moves are pretty big. Because time is running short. If he's ever, ever going to see and look down into the glory hole days, you better keep wheeling and dealing. Better keep making smart, efficient moves. 
especially since he really is going to let Big Mike call the plays next fall. Elliott is going to snap the ball. How do you do that guy like that? The, the last image, the last vision of Ezekiel Elliott in a cowboy uniform is him getting knocked flat on his ass, hiking the ball. Elliott is going to snap the ball. Say what you want about Zeke. He deserves a hell of a lot better than that. He does. He just does. I mean, if they put him in the ring of honor, what are they going to do? Are they going to put that on an endless loop? As you walk around the concourse, you're going to see that all afternoon? Oh, and by the way, is there a market for him? What, what if that were? I don't think this is the case. Somebody will bring him in. But what if the bottom fell out and the worst thing happened and that was his last play in the NFL? I mean, dang. Then somebody has to own who called that play. Dusty May joins me once again. Dusty, it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. Always good to have you on, Coach. So let me ask you this, Dusty. Still, you have a lot of work to do. You have this amazing opportunity in front of you. But have you taken a moment? The Owls are in the Sweet 16 for the first time ever. How does that feel to you personally? (laughs) Jim, I'm I'm almost numb to it, to be honest. You know, we have such a a daunting task with, with the Tennessee Volunteers around the corner. So, it's on to the next. Like I've told several people, it's it's awesome for our, our friends and family, and you have so many relationships in the business. But for those of us in the eye of the storm, it's it's business as usual. I understand that. I'm going to ask you about them in a moment. But looking back on your last win, John L. Davis had a day. He had a day now, right? A historic day. He became the first player, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals, in a tourney game since steals became an official stat in 86. Nobody had ever done that. So how much confidence does he give you, and how much better do you feel about everything when he is on the floor? Well, when the ball is in his hands, Jim, it's, it's, he, something good usually happens. He he gives me a great deal of confidence because he can play in any any style of a game. If it's up and down, he's, he's exceptional. If it's half court, uh, if it's isolation based, he can just play. Uh, he can score in the post. He can shoot from three. He can drive it, and he's an unbelievable. We call him playground hooper, where he just makes plays. Talking to Dusty May, you know, obviously totally different guy, totally different player. But I might ask you the same thing, for instance, about Vlad Golden, but in a different sense. Like he finished with eight points, six boards, and a block. But how big of an impact did he make in this game? Well, Fairleigh Dickinson did a nice job of, of going at our big centers with smaller, quicker guys. Uh, so he held his own because he was able to finish around the basket. But Vlad, throughout the course of the season, was, was probably the most valuable big man in our conference. So I'm sure he'll be, he'll be happy to see some big physical guys from Tennessee versus a bunch of uh, fast water bugs running around. Hey, Dusty, about Fairleigh Dickinson, I mean, a quick thought or two on them. Never mind the seed. Never mind who they beat to get there. Man, they're tough, right? That's a hard-nosed team, and I would imagine that was not the easiest team to prepare for. No, Jeff, for 30 minutes, we, we felt like they were the more physical, scrappier team, and, and we're small and quick and aggressive just like them, but we thought they'd beat us at our own game, and unfortunately, our guys, probably because of our depth and experience, and we had been in so many of those moments before, we were able to make a run late and, and have just enough breathing room to offset some missed free throws and a couple turnovers. Dusty May, my guest. Dusty, to that point, you've had some experience in these situations. You've been there before. Seems to me, at least on the outside looking in, you've got a pretty hard-nosed group. They sort of take on their coach's personality, but when they fell behind seven, what kind of vibe were your guys throwing off to you? Did they seem at any point? How did they seem at that point? 
the same unflappable Jim. They they just stay focused. We I think they just believe that someone is going to step up. They have no idea who, but none of them are scared of the moment. There's no moment too big for them. So I think they just have this internal belief that they look in a circle and they just know that someone's going to step up when when the moment calls and and they have all season. So Dusty, when you say nobody's afraid, nobody is afraid at all. Did you coach that or do you recruit that or both? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if the, the, if we've evolved into this or uh, we were very. We have been very intentional the last couple of years about not being afraid to, to fail, not being afraid to lose. Just go do our best, and and that'd be that'd be enough. And when you defend and rebound, we talk about it. Then when the shots go in, it decides how much we win by. But when we defend and rebound at, at an elite level then we're going to find ways to win no matter how well we're shooting the basketball. We are talking to Dusty May. So, Dusty, when Elijah Martin tried to throw down that, mo- throw down that monster jam as time ran out, Tobin Anderson did not seem all that pleased by that. Did you have an issue with your guy doing that? And if so, what kind of conversation did you have with him? Obviously, uh, I've been on the other end of that several times. And it, it doesn't bother me personally because the game's 40 minutes. You play it out. The, the 360 left hand probably had a little bit too much sauce on it, um, but they they were pressing. They were on a run. They throw it up ahead, and guys dunking warm ups. They dunk in practice. I wish he wouldn't have done it, just because I don't I don't want anyone to be uh, offended over things like that. But he's an unbelievable kid who got caught up in the moment, and uh, I'm sure he was wanting to put on a show for our fans. But it, it probably a little bit of bad taste uh, for some people, but. You know, it's one of those things. If he could do it all over again, I know he would dribble it out. And, and fortunately, the, the dunk didn't go in, so it's not as if it affected the, the, the final score or whatnot. But absolutely. But also, Jim, all season we've talked about playing every single possession because of the metrics matter so much, your offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. So we've even encouraged our walk-ons when they go in late to play as well as they can defensively and get good shots on offense because – we, as a mid-major, it's, it's tough to get an at-large, and we felt like we needed every advantage possible. So, uh, you know, we ended up with 12th in, in the net, and we feel like because we valued every possession, then, then that helped us at the end of the day. I can appreciate that response very much, hearing it like that. And I, I was not offended by it myself, but I was not playing against you guys, but I tend to see it your way. It's, it's 40 minutes. You know, if you don't like it, Block it, make a play, whatever. It seems to me there are much, much worse things, but I like your analysis that maybe you don't go up for a 360 jam with your left hand. There might be a little too much sauce on that, and you might want to make it, but I can appreciate that very much. So when you look at it, Dusty, you guys were picked fifth, fifth to finish in your own league. Never mind the coaches. At what point did the players themselves first begin to believe that this group might be able to do something special? Was there a moment you can point to? Immediately after last season, Jim, we had probably two weeks after the season when, when we started uh, off-season workouts. There was just a different feel and a different vibe. And Nick Boyd coming back, he's an unbelievable leader who was out all season last year. And even though he only averaged five or six as a freshman two years ago, he provides a, a, a different level of confidence and belief um, that, that, that really has is, is kind of taken over our locker room. So I think that group with Boyd and Rosado and, and Martin and Davis, those guys really took the reins as far as leadership, and they all work at an extremely high level every single day. They're religious about their preparation, their film, their weights, everything that goes into it, and we have to kick them out of the gym because they're, they're in there too much at times. So I think just the fact that they, they've worked so extensively for so long and we were pretty darn good last year – 
we just happen to find ways to lose as opposed to finding ways to win. We are talking to Dusty May for a few more moments. Speaking of Nick, he had that game-winning layup against Memphis, so that was huge right there. I'm curious, Dusty, so when things are going well, right, you pick to finish fifth, but then you're having success. I'm curious, what did that do to the players' mindset and their work ethic? In other words, did they? it's natural, right? Did they start to feel good about themselves and take their foot off the gas, or did they do just the opposite when they got that taste of success? I was, I was watching closely, Jim, because I was curious after we beat Florida and after we started winning some games, and we were beating some really good programs by 20 and 30 points, which shocked me at the time. But I was watching closely just to see how they would respond. And when we were in between the lines or we were in the film room, nothing changed uh, one iota. They stayed the course. They continued to work. And we didn't notice any difference in their personality except them wanting more and more and more. Now, off the court, obviously, they're, they're probably uh, – they're probably a little more popular on campus and, and whatnot. So, uh, but we talked about it. Once it was time to work, nothing changed except for the better. Hmm. So now you've got Tennessee, the four seed, and it's at Madison Square Garden. As I mentioned, an awesome challenge, but an awesome opportunity. As you look at them on film, what stands out to you about the Vols, and how do you think you match up with them? Well, defensively, they're off the charts. They're, they're physical, and I say that in the, in the most complimentary fashion you can. They're they're strong. They're tough. They challenge everything. They, it, it's hard to make threes against them. It's hard to get threes off against them. And then obviously in the paint, they're so physical with their wall up. So it's going to be a, a, a tough task, but we're going to have to spread them out. We're going to have to use our speed, quickness, and athleticism. And obviously we're going to have to make some shots and, and figure out how to create some space to drive those guys. Hey, Jesse, I'm curious about the conversation you might have. For instance, do you remind the players that they're not only about to play the biggest game of their lives, but that it's going to be played in one of the most historic buildings ever? Or do you treat this like it's just another gym? Well, thank goodness we get to go practice and, and get a feel for it. And I thought that was uh, advantageous for us, too, with watching Purdue play fairly Dickinson. Our guys watch the second half, and some coaches don't want their guys out there. And, and we encourage our guys to go out and just kind of soak in the moment, get comfortable in that environment. So I think by them being out there, kind of getting immersed in the game, they were able to just get lost when, when into the game when we played Memphis. Jesse, really quickly, let me ask you this. I saw an article that Greg Doyle wrote about you recently that I thought was really interesting. He, he quotes you as saying, I'm driven by being happy every day, end of quote. I think that's really interesting, and there's a lot more to it than it might seem. Like, question is, if you're driven by being happy every single day, what makes you happy if that's the thing that drives you? I love coaching basketball, and I'm very, very simple. If, if I enjoy the people I work with and go to work with every day, and I do immensely, and I love coaching the guys on the court, meaning they want to get better, they have a strong desire to improve, and they enjoy work, and they enjoy a real relationship-based uh, program, then I'm going to be happy. I'm, like I said, I'm very, very simple. I've surpassed all expectations. Uh, coaching guys who love to get better and a staff that is, is in the foxhole, you want in the foxhole with you without any ego, that, that, that's all it takes to make me happy. So then finally, when you were a student manager at IU for Bob Knight, what was that like? I mean, did that make you happy, or did you understand this is a means to an end, and this is an incredible opportunity, and I'm going to get so much out of this, but I might not be the happiest I've ever been, or were you? No, it made me better. Uh, every day with Coach Knight, you're learning something, and you're a volunteer, you're working 40 to 80 hours a week, depending on if it's in season or out of season. And the only thing you want in return is an opportunity to, to learn and grow. And without that experience, there's no way I would be where I am today. 
Well, where you are today is in the Sweet 16, a nine seed going up against Tennessee and one of the great, great stories. And Dusty, I know you've been asked this, and I don't want to ask you something that you've been asked five times, but it is kind of curious. Like, I don't look at you guys and see you as a Cinderella. You're a top 25 team. I don't see that. But how weird was it for FAU to go up against another school that everybody was pulling for because they were the Cinderella? I'm glad you asked that. It was, it was really strange because we've embraced being the underdog and the disrespected all season. And for all the Michigan State and Marquette fans to flip and FDU had a sold-out arena in Columbus, it was odd. But our guys, once again, they were unfazed. The, the place erupted when FDU went on the run, and they were playing great basketball. But our guys were, you know, they knew we had another run in this. And like I said, they don't know who's going to step up, but they know someone's going to. It's got to be reassuring knowing it's going to be somebody. Somebody will pick somebody else up. He is the head coach at Florida Atlantic, fifth year there. I mentioned all the numbers, great regular season. On to the Sweet 16. Dusty, really appreciate you making time. I know as you get further into the tournament, there's more and more pressure, less and less time, and I really appreciate you making time for this one. Oh, Jim, I appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. Good night now!